Okay, so happy fifth Sunday, everybody. If you are new, uh, you hopefully have understood that we just are weird about months that have five Sundays in them for no reason whatsoever. We just, we are looking for a reason to have a party. We use this as the reason. And what we do every fifth Sunday is find something about church life, uh, being a part of the body of Christ, whatever, to celebrate. Something in our faith to celebrate, specifically as it refers to being a part of the church. And um, we've done lots of things, community, missions, vision, ministry, giftings, uh, lots of things. So the question is, what are we celebrating today? I know you've been dying to find out all this time. Today, coming alongside of our Empowered series that we have been in, we are celebrating the power of the Holy Spirit in prayerful community. In other words, we are excited that the Spirit of God shows up when we pray. Like, all the time. Like, since the beginning of time. And I want to show you where it talks about that in Scripture um, and then in, invite you to hear some incredible testimonies. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. This is in the YouVersion app, of course, the Bible app. If you uh, want to follow along there, you can go to more and then events, and this is already loaded up for you. It'll also be on the screen as we go. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, starting at verse 1, then we're going to skip. When Solomon finished praying, this is the dedication of the temple. You probably saw that, that uh, heading in your Bible here. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt down on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good. His love endures forever. Verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. I'll make a few comments about this incredible passage of scripture. References to God's heart, we talk about the heart of God quite a lot uh, in modern Christian circles, but references in scripture to the heart of God are actually very rare. But here in this passage, God himself promises that his eyes and his heart will be in the place of sacrifice and in the place of humility before him. That is extremely significant. It also says in this passage that even if you have been disobedient and rebellious towards God, there is hope. It's right here. That his desire is for full reconciliation. That he's made a way for that. He's made a way for a beautiful relationship with his people. And that this temple that they were dedicating here 
was and is, we'll get into that a little bit later, a lasting symbol that God will forgive. So it doesn't matter how far you feel from God. It doesn't matter how far you feel like you've drifted. It doesn't matter what kind of thing is in front of you that you think, if I can just, I'll just clean myself up, I'll just fix this, I'll get better, and then I'll come back to God. And God says, that is completely incorrect. I want you, this is the place to come when you come humbly This is the place to come, and I will meet you in that place and forgive your sin. It also says in this passage, God says, if my people, and of course in this context, and he's talking to Solomon, which means he's talking to the Israelites, but it's very clear in this passage that if you read just before this in chapter 6, that uh, that phrase, if my people, includes anyone who calls on the name of God. It's not reserved for just one set of people. Everyone who comes humbly to God can expect to be heard by God is what's going on here. Now, I I don't want you to miss this. God responded to Solomon's prayer by sending fire from heaven. So what's happened is Solomon has prayed, God sends fire from heaven, and then God is responding also to Solomon personally. He sends fire from heaven. The smoke fills the temple. And fire is actually a very common way in Scripture that God shows you that he's listening. It's all over the Bible. Sacrifices were consumed. The Israelites were led by a pillar of fire at night. And of course, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, what was one of the visible confirmations that that had happened? Tongues of fire rested on every head. That wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't something God made up brand new in the moment, though he could have, but he didn't. Tongues of fire resting on each head. And spoiler alert for next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, That symbol is unmistakable. That same spirit who answers by fire in the Old Testament when people come and um, commit themselves to him is now available to rest on every single believer, not just in that temple. Isn't that amazing? You're going to hear more about that. I won't spoil. I know you're working on that message. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to read, uh, starting at verse 23, Peter and John had been brought before the Sanhedrin and had been like called to the carpet and and told to to stop preaching and all of of the things and they are held by by this group of people. And then they are released. I wanted to read to you what happened when they were released. Uh, This is again Acts 4, we're going to start at verse 23. Um, On their release from being held by the Sanhedrin, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this would be a quote from David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Let me make a few comments about this passage. 
Listen to what these believers prayed, even though they were experiencing persecution. They prayed together three basic things. They said, God, you are sovereign. You're in charge of this. Like, you see this, everything is under your control. Secondly, God, your plan includes believers facing opposition against Jesus and against the gospel. That's just been a part of, that's just kind of the way it is. We understand that, God. And thirdly, because of these things, give us boldness to preach. They did not pray for the defeat of the enemy. They did not pray for their own safety. They asked for, in the middle of danger, in the middle of persecution, they asked for boldness and for the hand of God to heal and to perform signs and wonders among them. So it would be obvious to people, in the, even in the midst of whatever circumstances came, that God was with them, that Jesus is real, and that what he was doing and his forgiveness, his salvation, his gospel, all of that was available to the people. So use us, God. We understand you're sovereign, and this is all part of your plan. We understand we're going to experience persecution but would you please give us boldness so that we don't shrink back here in the middle of it? That was their prayer. And the result of their prayer was that the place was physically shaken and that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, some of them again, because we know that that had happened to them already on Pentecost. And they were able to speak about Jesus boldly, even though they knew they had incredible opposition and every reason to be afraid. And that idea of having the place was shaken is also not an unfamiliar thing. It's not an unfamiliar thing from the Old Testament, again, just like the fire. When God appeared or manifested his presence in some place, it happened in Exodus 19, it happened in Isaiah 6. Again, it's a sign that that same spirit that you've been reading about all through scripture is doing a new work here in that place. So do you see the parallels here? When the Israelites were of one heart, They called on God and he answered by fire. When the believers in the early church were of one heart and they called on God, he answered them again and he filled them and shook the place. And I would just say from what I read in scripture over and over again, when the people of God get together and pray, God answers. Old covenant, Old Testament, New new Covenant, New Testament, it doesn't matter. When people come together humbly and they pray to God, He has promised to answer. This is the promise. This is the promise. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. But Pastor Tracy, we don't have the temple anymore. This does not apply to us. Yes, it does. Let me show you. I'm so glad you asked. Good question. I'm glad you're really on fire today with me. Uh, Listen to what the New Testament says about the temple. Are you ready for this? 1 Peter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Who is the temple? We are. 2 Corinthians 6. For we are the temple of the living God. 
As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Ephesians 2, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The promise of the indwelling presence of God, how he will meet us when we come humbly and pray to him and seek his face and turn from our sinful ways is available to us as we now are the temple of the living God. You making the connection with me? Okay, that was your moment. Were you with us last week? No? Okay, don't worry about it. No, I'm just teasing because it would probably be disruptive if we started all doing that, but thank you for letting me make the joke. It's not where is the temple that we need to go to meet with God. The question is who is the temple? It's us. And we have the incredible advantage of not needing to travel to the temple to receive these promises. We walk around with the same spirit who answered by fire living in us. We walk around with the same spirit who answered by shaking them and filling them again living in us. Making us the temple of the living God. So what does it mean? It means that he still answers. Yes, the promise is for you individually. Believer in Jesus. But when you look at these scriptures, I want you to see something beyond that. In, this, in these contexts that we are reading about, you realize that this was spoken over the whole church. You read words like we, whole building, they, their, together, all through the scriptures. While it absolutely requires us individually to make the choice, this is for his church. This is for us to do together. When we pray together, it matters. When we are in one accord, as we used to say, it matters. I want to, I, and I want you to hear some stories of that this morning. I want you to hear how this is uh, not only true in the Old Testament, not only true in the New Testament, but is continuing to be true to this day. In, in the fall, are you ready? Okay. In the fall, um, our, <laughs> otherwise I can just vamp and just make stuff up, but you're cool? Okay. Um, our, our Connecting Point group did a, a study on prayer. It was really powerful. It was tough, actually. It was a lot of work, and <laughs> it was tough. Um, and I, I sent an email to um, everyone who was involved in it. There was maybe 20, between 20 and 25 of us who did that study together. And I said, can somebody just share with me what they learned? As we studied um, and learned about prayer in community, what is it that the Lord has spoken to you, taught you, or shown you through that? Um, and Alicia wrote me back with some great stuff. Alicia, why don't you come and share what the Lord has been speaking to you about prayer? You just come take right over. That'd be fine. Thank you. God, I pray for boldness. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, I just want to encourage you just for a couple minutes of just a personal revelation that the Lord has shared with me. Um, I want to talk about position. Understanding my position in Christ has changed how I pray. Uh, one night I was reading my Bible and I came across this verse, Ephesians 2.6. Uh, it says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse talks about how we, you and me, have been seated with Christ. So I was thinking, okay, if I've been seated with Christ, this leads me to my first question. Where is Jesus sitting? 
The Holy Spirit then brought me to Hebrews 1.5. After he, Jesus, had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, after Jesus came to earth, he died on the cross. He rose again, he defeated death, and he ascended into heaven. And then he sat down. The Holy Spirit was showing me that being seated at the right hand of God is the highest place and the highest honor possible. If Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, it means that everything and every being is under him. Exodus 15.6 says, Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. God's right hand is a place of power and authority. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, Jesus is saying this to his disciples right before he's ascended into heaven. Okay, so then I got this picture. Have you guys ever been to a store or a restaurant and you needed to speak to the manager? Let's say something bad happened, they messed up on your order, or you got the wrong size. You needed to speak to somebody who had some authority. Well, the Holy Spirit was showing me that Jesus is the manager. But he's not the manager of the store or the restaurant. He is the manager of all of heaven and on earth. All authority. Guys, I looked it up, that word all. It means all. So if Ephesians 2.6 says that I've been seated with him, I then can recognize my position in him. It's not based on what I have done or haven't done that day. It's not based on what is currently happening to me or what I'm reading on my newsfeed. But through grace and repentance and understanding why Jesus is sitting where he is sitting, I then can recognize my position. So how many of you can say that these last few years you have felt defeated? Maybe today you're here and you feel powerless. Guys, I have some good news for you. Jesus has a seat with your name on it. Oh, and I can hear the Holy Spirit say, come and take your seat. Come and sit with me. Someone needed to hear that. John 1.12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Another translation is he gave the power and the authority to become children of God. Guys, it's so good. Once you get this revelation, it changes how you pray. And I know a lot of times we forget who we are sitting next to. So I just want to take the, ne- the last minute here just to remind you guys, because we all forget. I forget. Just ask my husband. <laughs> Jesus, friend of sinners, Emmanuel, Messiah, he is holy, pure, savior, deliverer, redeemer, healer, king of kings, prince of peace, Comforter, rescuer, he is our provider. Ever-present help in time of need. He is our prayer warrior. Bread of life, son of the living God. 
He is the head of the church, high priest, prophet, teacher, the mediator, lamb of God, the good shepherd. He is the word, the rock, the true vine, the resurrection, and the life. Alpha and omega, beginning and end, light of the world. He is the hope of glory. So I just want to leave you with this last question. Do you know who you are sitting next to? Because it will change how you pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Alicia. I'll just preach on its own, actually. Thank you so much. Guys, you need to get into a connecting point group. You don't know what you're going to figure out uh, or or learn. But thank you for that. Um, She sent me that. Obviously, it wasn't like a specific answer to prayer. But when she shared what the revelation of where each one of us as, as followers of Christ are seated in authority, I thought, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. This is where we are, church. This is who we are. This is who we are. Uh, Pastor Aaron, come. I want you to, we, we, have a, we had a prayer uh, need. Somebody came up for prayer a few weeks ago and was prayed over and just an- wanted to keep that prayer request anonymous, but we wanted to share uh, the story of what happened. So a few weeks ago when Pastor Tracy opened up the altars, uh, one of our sisters in Christ came forward and asked for prayer. And she's waiting for a permanent residency visa to come in. And she was asking the Lord to move, to do the impossible, to move that process along because it had been long and silent. And uh, one of our other sisters in, in Christ came up and prayed with her. And in faith, they agreed and believed together. And that next week, she received her work visa in the mail, Mm -hmm. which was not the thing she was praying for, but it was a step in the process because God knows the timing, God knows the order. And it was like he was speaking to her saying, I haven't forgotten. I am working. I am doing this. I am working on your behalf because when we join together in prayer, God moves. When we unite our hearts where two or three are gathered there in his name, he is there working. Amen. And then uh, lastly, this morning, I mean, you might have your own stories too, of course, but some of you might remember that uh, in January, we had a fifth Sunday service, and we invited our friend, Pastor Cher Paulson, who, uh, who serves in Winnipeg. Uh, uh, Aaron and I both went, went to college with her, and she's been a dear friend of ours for a long time, and we asked her to share her story because she was going through something incredibly difficult. She's going to share a little bit about it again, and she, she, she gave the message that morning about being faithful in prayer and being faithful to what God has called you to do, and she was preaching it in the middle of one of the most difficult circumstances she's ever faced in her life, and uh, we saw her in Winnipeg last week. Winnipeg! was awesome uh and it for that reason mostly uh and so uh we saw her and then uh she agreed to give us a follow-up um it's, it's a couple minutes long but it gave us a follow-up of what happened so um Vaughn, if you'd show us the video okay share um you shared with us back in january 2021 some stuff that was going on in your life and it was really significant and really difficult and there has been some updates and this morning, as we celebrate prayerful community, I would just be delighted. We, I know everyone would want to hear what's going on now. So take us through the story however you want to. Tell us what's going on now. Yeah, thanks so much. Great to be with you guys again and to follow up my story. So three and a half years ago, uh, my husband uh, just decided that he was done with our marriage and walked out and left me kind of reeling. I know when I was here before I was talking about the rug being pulled from underneath me and that's what it was and I am so thankful that I feel now that I look back I know the Holy Spirit had prepared me for that and had strengthened me for what to do and he was very specific with 
how I was to respond and standing in faith for the reconciliation of my marriage. And so I just began to respond in that way and pray in that way and get people around me to pray. And what I realized is that um, God had to do a huge work in me. And that's kind of what I shared the last time with you was, was God's huge work in me and the four things that I've learned and so on that journey, I was so glad that God told me exactly what to do. I felt like he said, yes, sure, it'll take two people to reconcile, but it only takes one to be faithful. I've called you to be faithful. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can do that, Lord. And I can unconditionally love and I can unconditionally forgive. And I choose to do that with you being my strength. But you know what? Three and a half years, now it doesn't seem like a long time, but it's a long time. And so when you're journeying every single day, it gets long. And so I was so glad that I had people around me who were like, yeah, we're still with you. We're still praying. We believe, we believe. And, and so I remember just this past January, I just, uh, my husband had come, he, cause he had moved away to Ontario uh, nine months before, and he had come to visit the kids. And I remember thinking there is less than no hope. Like I just see no hope in, in human terms, just none. And I got on my face before the Lord after he left and I just was crying and praying and I just felt the resolve that, you know what, Lord, if this is till heaven, whatever, however long you want me to do this, I know that you have called me to be faithful. I know that you've called me to reconciliation. I know that you've called me to this miracle and I will do it no matter how long it takes. And I didn't know whether it was just to show my children, whatever it was, I knew in my peace and my joy comes from my obedience. And that's what happened in that three and a half years. It was not what I saw. My feelings and my circumstances did not give me any peace. But my obedience to the Holy Spirit gave me the peace I needed and the strength I needed to do what God was calling me to do. So I remember getting up off that floor. I'm like, yep, 20 years, 30 years, how, however this long this takes, I'm going to do this. Thank you, Lord. You're going to help me. And Tracy, I'm not kidding. It was two weeks later. I got a text completely out of the blue. My husband was also on a journey that God was taking him on. And maybe one day he'll be able to tell his side of the story. Um, but just right out of the blue, I got this text from my husband saying, are you still praying for the restoration of our marriage? And I texted back, yes, I am. And he texted back, how can I come home? Uh, the first time we were on the phone together, I could tell the Lord had completely changed him and the Lord had completely changed me. And we are just in the middle of living this miracle. And there were some steps and things. We've, we've been to a three-day intensive with Focus on the Family. We're in counseling. We're getting help. We're, we're building a solid foundation on the Holy Spirit. But the biggest miracle we needed was his willingness. I mean, that's what I was praying for the whole time. Like I can't do anything without the other person being willing. And so, uh, with his willingness and mine and our surrender to the Lord. And I am just in awe this morning. We are talking about, you know, prayerful community and how the Holy spirit moves and how he is still available and he's still strengthening and he's still answering prayer. And so I just wonder after, um, you know, sharing with us in the middle and now sharing with us as you are walking on the other side of it, what would you like say to somebody who has, is in the position you were in three and a half years ago, or I guess, yeah, 
for the last three and a half years? Here's the thing. I look back now and I say I would not trade the three and a half years for anything. Because of what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. And I would just say, I, I know it sounds a bit cliche. Sometimes we hear it all the time. Don't waste your pain. Don't waste your journey. But it's so true. I could, like, honestly, I could have reacted very differently. And believe me, I'm not taking any credit. It's only the Holy Spirit and his strength and his graciousness to prepare me and to give me the strength to do it. But I had a choice all the way through. And I could have thrown in the towel. I could have given up. I could have not um, surrendered to God, you know, wanting to to dig up pride and all those things in my life. So, so we have a choice. So what I would say to somebody is go towards the Holy spirit in your journey, whatever hard thing you're in, go towards what he's doing. Yes, it'll be hard. Yes, it'll be painful, but you know what? It'll be so worth it. But it was like, Holy spirit, whatever you're doing, I'm willing, I'm going to crawl up on your altar and you do whatever you need to do to me. And that was, that was separate from the miracle happening. It wasn't, um, you know, I'm going to do this. And then I expect you to do this for me. No, no, no. I, I was going to do this until heaven. I really was. And, and I had to keep deciding that I had to keep deciding that. And I, and I would say to somebody today, keep deciding that it's you and the Holy spirit, that it's you and Jesus that no matter what, you're not doing this for the results. You're doing this for the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The intimacy that has been created, that has been fostered through this last three and a half years, I would not trade it for anything, for anything. You know what I also want to say, like in that three and a half years, I enjoyed my life. I did. My peace and joy came from my obedience. And then I enjoyed my life. I mean, you would think this consumed me for three and a half years, but it didn't, it did and it didn't, you know, like you, it goes, it ebbs and flows. But, but I would say like with the Holy spirit, you can still enjoy your life, enjoy your life in the middle of the storm, enjoy your life in the middle of pain because joy is not happiness. Joy comes from the Holy spirit. So I don't know if you can use that or not, but <laughs> well, I might, maybe I'll use it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll use it for a teaser. Maybe this. Maybe it's Sunday morning and everybody can see what I'm doing right now. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what I'll use in the end? Isn't that great? Oh, it's so great. I think I cried three times every time I watched that video. Um, we were there with uh, with James and Cher. We saw them together. We saw the living out of a miracle, and we were just like, God is so awesome. So awesome. And that wasn't a guaranteed result, but um, her testimony is uh, powerful. So we look back at the scriptures, and we remember what it says. If my people, who are called by my name. We look at the New Testament believers, and they called on God, and they said, whatever happens... Whatever happens, just give us the boldness to do what's next. When we pray for something, we can be guaranteed of one thing for sure. God hears us. And he will answer us in some way, shape, or form according to his good purposes and plans. When we pray together, church, when we join our faith together, 
when we follow the mandate of scripture, we take the time to set aside pride, to set aside our own self-consciousness, our own busyness, our own apathy, our own doubt. God has promised in scripture that his eyes would be open, his ears would be attentive, and his heart will always be there. So I wonder this morning, um, uh, as we, just in these closing moments of the service, I want to invite you to a couple of things. First of all, there are some people who have come in with some prayer needs this morning. And so um, in just a moment, um, uh, I'm going to ask actually the worship team to come. They can help us in this last little bit as well, as long as you're quiet, because no one wants to scream pray. You know how it is. Um, uh, we, I just want to invite you to uh, tell you what's going to happen so you can prepare yourselves for it if, the, if you feel a little self-conscious. But from right where you are, if you have a prayer need, I am going to ask you in a moment to just raise your hand. And I want the people around you to uh, acknowledge, just like see who's around you. And like, we don't have to be ashamed. I have prayer needs in my life. And I want you to just, we're just going to, uh, we're just going to gather around that person and I'm going to pray for everyone. And if you, if you feel like you, you want to pray for that person that's near you uh, specifically, that's of course fine. You can do that. This is prayerful community. But I'm going to invite you, if you have a need in this place, um, and you want some people to just join faith with you, you're going to be able to do that right from where you sit. And then I'm also going to invite you to something as we close the service in a, in a closing song. We can do that. And then also as we are preparing for our beautiful, blessed lunch together. Um, I have created a, a little craft station. I know that's weird. Some of you are like, I hate crafts. I do too. But this one I think you might appreciate. Um, what I've done is there's some, there's some beads of different colors and there's some string and all of that kind of stuff. And here's what I want you to do. There are some of you who have been praying for something for a really long time. And you are like, I do not know if I can pray anymore about it. Some of you have had a prayer need in your life and you're so tired of praying for it, you forget to pray for it now. And you're, it's not that your faith, you don't, think, you don't think that God can do it. It's just your faithfulness in prayer has dwindled a bit. And you're like hearing some of the stories this morning and thinking, you know what, I need to continue to bring that to God or I need to believe that God can do it. And so I just wanted to create something that would be a little bit of a reminder for you. Does it scare you when I come down here? Don't be nervous. I just need my keys, okay? Um, I've created a, uh, just literally some beads. There are two things that are on my heart to pray for right now that are way bigger than I can, than I can do on my own and I know that for a fact. Um, and so all I did was just take my keychain and I took the two colors that I thought represented my two prayer needs best and I just put them on there. So that every time I get into my car, I can see it and I can remember to be trusting God for those things. One is a miracle that I need to see and one is a person's life that I, I just know that the Lord has called me to see them come to faith in Christ and it just feels like there's no way into that situation. But whatever your prayer need is, I just want to invite you, if this is meaningful to you, um, uh, there's also some string. There's just different things you can do to create something that would be meaningful to you. You could put it on your, on your bag. You can put it on your keychain, whatever. Just something as a tangible reminder to say, God, I am going to be faithful in prayer and believe that you can meet me in this thing. Um, I think if Cher's testimony helped us with anything, it was to, remember, to be reminded that God has not forgotten, that God is working his timeline is so often not exactly what we would hope for, but it's, his, it's, it's, it's perfect in his way. So I want to do those two things. First, I want to pray together as a community. And then I want to invite you just in our closing song to come. You can start this process or we can do that as we get ready for lunch. But let's stand together. 
And if you would be courageous enough to ask for prayer, I just want you in this moment, just if you have a prayer need in your life, just go ahead and lift your hand. Just lift your hand. It's, like, it's, for, it's between you and God, but also for this prayerful community. Now just take a little look around you, see who's there, see who's asking for prayer right now. See who's asking for prayer. And then if you can or you're comfortable with this, reach out a hand towards them. If you're close enough, you could even put a hand on their shoulder, that kind of thing. Just look around you and just reach around. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to pray out loud. God, you see us. God, you see us. And together as a community, we are recognizing and acknowledging that there are needs in your church. And so as an act of faith, we are raising our hand. I'm doing the same thing this morning, Lord. Raising our hands and saying, God, there are needs that we need to have met. There are reconciliation in relationships that have not, that just seem absolutely impossible. There are miracles that seem, that we've been praying for, that just seem to have stalled out. Like you haven't heard us, like you you have forgotten that we are here and that this need is in front of us. And, and, and as we have felt your silence, God, we have also felt our faith waning. We have felt doubt creeping in. We have not been faithful in prayer because of these things. And we just want to acknowledge that with an uplifted hand and say, Lord Jesus, would you come and do a miracle in our lives? Do these miracles among us. We join our faith together now. We join our, our shields of faith, the armor of God that you have given us. We put it on together as a prayerful community and we say, Lord, would you meet us in these needs? Would you come and would you speak? Would you bring peace? I pray for uh, just a, an overwhelming sense of the presence of God in each person who is reaching out to you, that they would know that you hear them, that if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear us, that, you would, that your heart would be with us, that your ears would be attentive to us, that you would see the need and that you would meet it. So we call on the promise we choose to stand in, in submission, in repentance, in reconciliation. And we, we lift our faith together for our brothers and sisters in Christ and ask, Lord Jesus, that you would do a beautiful thing among us. Meet us in our place of need. Help us to be faithful in prayer. Help us to be faithful as we see the needs around us to continue to pray and to press in and to trust and believe that you are who you say that you are and that you will do what you have promised to do. We trust you with our lives. We declare it together and for one another in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. And just as a last act of faith in this place, as Matt leads us, you got something for us, eh? Great. Uh, as a <laughs> As a last act of faith, if it would be meaningful to you, I want to invite you to come and do something like I've done. Put some, uh, create something that you can be reminded every day to be praying about this particular need. I am looking for the day when I will take those beads off of my keychain. And that's the faith I want to stand in. And I don't want to be faithless in the way that I respond to the Lord. I want to be reminded that he's a faithful God and has called me to be faithful in prayer. And that's my only responsibility here. And so I want to come to him with that heart and with that kind of faith. And so like, I've done this. So if that's meaningful to you, you're invited to come and create your own uh, prayer reminder that you can carry with you everywhere you go. Let's do that as Matt leads us.